Today's program is brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Emily Peterson, coming to you from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is episode number 66, if you are counting, not that I am, episode number 66. And thank you all so much for listening. Joining me in the studio is my producer, Ann Hogan. Hi, Ann. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? All right. How was your weekend? I, we, so we just talked off air about how you hate that question, and then I immediately ask you because it's such a habit. Well, it's not, not that I hate the question. Let me clarify. It's just that I feel like my memory goes blank when people ask me, but now that you kind of asked me before, <laughs> I've prepped you. people are going to be like, what is wrong with her? So uh, how was your weekend? It was great. I, um, I take classes over at uh, UCB at Upright Citizens Brigade, mm-hmm. so did a little bit of improv this weekend. Amazing. I um, saw um, one of my uh, heroes, Amy Poehler, and also a UCB yeah, person. sure. On the uh, Golden, Glo- Gold- Golden Globes. Yeah, I'm she, not I mean, even drinking. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, she is definitely, she's definitely one of the ultimates. Um, she actually, there's this show at the UCB called Ask Hat, and you never really know who's going to be uh, the players there. And I went the day before my birthday, and she showed up. And so I, I consider it. So thanks, Amy Fuller, for coming out for my birthday. That's amazing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Like, so how? Yeah. My friend Amy. We hung out. Me and Amy P. How was your weekend? <laughs> it was good. It was good. I um, was defeated by popovers. I, I had a real situation. My We have a... Uh, there are two couples that we are friends have been friends with for a very long time, and every couple of months it is a couple's turn to host the other two couples for a sleepover dinner party. And this was our turn, and it was great. Sounds so fun. it's really, really oh, yeah. fun. Everybody's food and drink people. Um, so I made a, an incredible leg of lamb that I boned out and then rubbed the inside with some shallots and anchovy and then tied it, roasted it. It was delicious. And I was like, I want to make popovers to go with this. And I. I did something that I would advise other people against, and I'm going to confess because this is a confessional is show, confessional. and I want Go. my I want my listeners to feel like that, like you are safe here. You are safe <laughs> here, and I will be the first to admit that the first place that I went for popover recipe was the internet, and I found a food writer who was writing for a publication. It wasn't a blog who has no oversight. It okay. was a someone who has an editor, and the head note was that they had tested or they had read. Every recipe for popovers and distilled down what they thought was going to be the ultimate popover recipe. Okay. So, for instance, some recipes call for the pan to be preheated. Others say you start in a cold pan. Some say you start in a cold oven. Um, whether or not you grease the pan with olive oil or butter. But th- so there's like every it's like meatballs. Everybody's got their like little <laughs> secret. Ingredient. Okay. And this person claimed to have found this is it. These are all the, like, of all the different options that you can have, these are the ones that make the best popovers. So without any um, discernment on my part, I just right. went ahead and made them for the dinner party for my foodie <laughs> friends. Okay. Foodie and sleepovers, right? Mm-hmm. It was right. a huge problem. So they puffed on the top, and I was like, they're doing it. This looks so cute. Because I should say, I've never actually made popovers before. And when I pulled them out of the pan, the part that was still in the, in the popover pan, which I have, like, a real iron one that mm-hmm. i borrowed from someone the 
this they had shrunken like it looked like a shiitake mushroom stem mm. and then this like puff top and the top was fine but the base part was like as dense as trying to eat a pencil eraser and I was, and was like, these are really good. I was like, these are not <laughs> popovers. Stop lying to me. So now I feel like I have I have set myself up with a real challenge because I will not be defeated by a batter. Like yeah. I'm, that's I'm pissed. So <laughs> I've heard I've heard tell mm-hmm. that I don't know who you got your recipe from, but that I'm gonna I'm gonna protect their identity. Okay. Well, I hope I'm not saying the same person. I mean, I don't. Know. But Alton Brown apparently <laughs> has like the popover recipe. He did like an entire like. Uh, like an entire hour devoted to like how incredibly like difficult and detailed they are. And like, he swear, I mean, who knows? I don't know. You know, I'm not. Okay. That will be the next recipe that I try (laughs) because I, I love him and food network because they are, their audience is, you know, home cooks in the middle of America. They rigorously test those recipes so that people are successful because that's, like what they do. They want people to cook and it come out the way it looks in the picture. So maybe in like a home kind of cooking way that that could be uh, that. You, do you want to? Yeah. We, okay. I think we're, we're getting a note flown in, flown um, in from, 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 from our guests. And I, <laughs> I'm not picking up on it very well. So apparently I got a note r- written down that says hot lard. What um, better intro <laughs> than hot lard? Jimmy Carbone, Heritage Radio's own host of <laughs> Beer Sessions Radio is here. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Of course. And Sam Barbieri is here, owner and chef of the Waterfront Ale House. Welcome. Thank you. Did I say that right? Waterfront Ale House? Okay. I wrote it down earlier as the Waterhouse Grill, and I was like, whatever you do, say it right the first time. Waterfront. Sam's Sam's the hot lard guy. 30th Street and 2nd Avenue. All right. (laughs) I love this. This was like this very... Anyway, go ahead. So chime in on our, so hot lard is your your popover? Hot lard is the way I've always made a popover. Okay. As in you... Yeah, wipe the inside of the pan with hot lard. Yeah, nice hot pan, hot lard, and cold batter. Okay, into a really hot oven, usually around four, four and a quarter. Okay, so there were a lot of differences. What I have found that works in the hot pan. Okay, like, do you think that that's something that you can do like at home and like a home oven? Sure, if you have a yeah, if you have a decent oven at home, absolutely. And I have found that buying a oven thermometer and leaving it in my oven has made my oven a much better oven because. If you do, if you know that your oven is off by ten or twenty degrees, it's you can adjust for that and <laughs> have a lot more success, which mine does. <clears throat> it's a little, especially if you're in a, a New York City apartment, the uh, you know that's probably not the greatest caliber of oven that you have, right? In a rental apartment, and the the dial is always going to be off by a few degrees, and those little inexpensive thermometers that you buy for the oven, buy one every year because yeah, they yeah. go sour too mine has gone I, and I'll tell you I took it back I bought it at Sur La Tabla and I took yeah. it back and they were like no questions asked here's a new one sorry about that yeah. I was like oh they get nice. industry discounts too I know they're, I I'm them. a big fan yeah. big fan okay so you guys are here to talk about your new ebook called I Like Pig well the, the backstory is that um, we've organized an event over five years now called Pig Island and it was on Governor's Island and now it's in Red Hook in Brooklyn and it brings together about 25 chefs a year. Um, each, the main point of the event is that we, we buy pigs from New York farmers to support them, so they get the bulk of the money, and we're buying at a fair price. But the, the great joy is getting to work with chefs like Sam Barbieri, who's been in almost every year, and he works with the whole pig. I think you should talk about the process, because the few times he's done it, I mean, you know, he basically comes to Union Square, 
a few days before the event, picks up his pig or pigs from the farmers, and kind of the magic starts when when it goes back to Sam's kitchen, and th- that's there's you know 25 different recipes, each each a different part of the pig, and Rachel Wharton, who's who's a great writer, James Beard Award winner, she wrote it with me and edited it, so she tested all the recipes, and there's some great photos by her boyfriend John Taggart, and. Uh, in addition yeah. to Sam's recipe for the head cheese, which was on your website, it's which is on great, the website. Um, they did a, a couple you. of photo essays, and they they, they did because Sam's also a competitive barbecue guy. Mm-hmm. So they did from soup to nuts his whole competitive barbecue program. So I would say, Sam, you know, what's it like when you, when you, when you get the whole pig and the process you do uh, for these kind of events and the recipes that you came up with? We've been cooking whole hogs in competitions for about fifteen years now. Uh, well, unfortunately, my partner passed away, but he really got me into it uh, once he let me try one. And I got uh, interested. And uh, what was really informative for us was going down south to these really large barbecue contests and having a camaraderie between the teams. And everyone is more than happy to tell you how you could come in second. Uh, But we learned a lot And every time that we went to a competition The first one I did was a national uh, uh, Barbecue competition In in Washington, D.C. Right in front of the uh, uh, Capitol First time we did it We didn't know really what we were doing Eh, We cooked a pig We we came in sixth And we were ecstatic Yeah, that's pretty good We were like Oh my gosh! This is this is great. So wait, how does the judging work? It's a panel of professional eaters, or is there a public vote? How does it work? You have work? to be a certified judge. I am a certified judge in Kansas City and in uh, Memphis. There's a criteria for the pigs, uh, as there is for shoulder ribs uh, and chickens. So they have to taste the shoulder. They have to taste the ham, and then they have to taste the rib. Or the or not the rib the loin I'm sorry, uh, so we started just putting a rub on it, and then I learned to inject them. Then I learned to put different injections in different areas of the pig. Then I cooked on another team when we were in Memphis, uh, from Carolina. Taught me a lot, and we've just progressed and progressed and progressed. Have you ever come in second? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever come in first? Yes. Wow. Uh, I've been reserve grand champion. Wow, that's amazing. Which was very very good for a New York City team. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) I say the least. Yeah. So, Jimmy, I am curious. um, We have to work a break in here. I think I'm going to ask you this question first, and we'll answer, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back and talk about how to make head cheese. Um, Will you... Talk a little bit about the process of making a cookbook as an ebook because it's something that I think about a lot in terms of traditional publishing versus where the market is going and how you came to decide to do it. Like, what was your thought process? Sure. I mean, it, it started out where I, I had pitched a book kind of about local food and, and some of the purveyors I work with, whether it was Annie at Eagle Street Rooftop Garden or, or, or you know, some kimchi guys. Um, and I realized that there was going to be a lot of work to. to, to to pub- get a book published because I wasn't an experienced writer. Mm-hmm. And so it, it turned out that I ended up going the ebook route and with my so friend you, Rachel Wharton. You so. have gotten, you've had no need for a publisher, no need for an agent, correct? Well, I mean, what happened was I, I ended up kind of taking on the whole project. And I was lucky that Rachel Wharton, uh, who I love and, and I'm, I'm friends with, 
who's a great writer. I, she was the first writer that I would have chosen to work with. Mm -hmm. sure, um, yeah. And she and then her, her boyfriend, John Taggart, uh, they went. What happened was is we already had a lot of the material because of, of the event for the first three years of Pig Island events. We had probably 60 different recipes and, and, you know, 40 or 50 chefs had participated, including Sam. So then Rachel kind of went through it and picked out, you know, wanted to pick out 25 different recipes that were from different parts of the pig. So that, mm -hmm. that process wasn't so hard. And, and, you know, she ended up, you know, testing each recipe and, and, and working through with the chefs, you know, the best recipes for the book. But the actual process of the ebook was, was very interesting because, you know, the ebook format is really set up for like putting a novel online. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And no one's really gone. I think the cookbook industry is still uh, really into their print books because there's a lot of gift. There's a lot of people buy them for gifts. Yeah. So, no, I don't think that they want to develop the cookbooks so far as ebooks. So, I think that what, what John and Rachel did on our production was they really went through in, in, in the design. And um, the, the way the book feels, mm -hmm. so that this is probably one of the, the most interesting ebooks that has recipes and photos that you'll see. It's, re yeah, it's yeah. really, so we really went, great. they went way above and beyond what we. W it was. It's not just recipes online. Right, right, it, it, right. It's actually a really nice okay, interactive sure. format. So I asked for selfish reasons. I have worked with an agent and pitched a seafood cookbook, and the ten cookbook, you know, cookbook publishers have said, "Fish is over. No, thank you." And I sort of put it on the shelf and was like, Meh. And pig, pig's over, too. And right. I, I, I had a meeting with Rizzoli last week because now we're like, well, we got the e-book. We're all ready to go. Let, let, let's have a book. And they were like, well, we have a whole hog cookbook. We have a smoke cookbook. And I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. Right. But um, I, think there, I think the publishing world is under a different pressure than, than you or I. And, I. and so I'm looking at your book, which was super easy to download, Buck 99 I like pig.com. I'm looking at it on my web browser, and it's like... I love it. And I'm like, I could, I mean, all of my recipes are written. I need, I have friends who are food photographers and just, I might call you up and ask you for your submission. Well, you know, the funny thing is if it's, it's one thing the industry is thinking, oh, we want to sell the books and people want to give them as gifts and put them on their coffee table. But people already are using, you know, they're going to Epicurious or other sites online mm -hmm. to get their recipes. So people are already using digital format to actually cook from. Right. So I don't think it's that radical. And I have a quote. There's a woman. We're also targeting like UK because we're trying to we're trying to take the ebook to to UK in the spring and mm -hmm. and and check out some some beer and cider and, and pig people and a woman named Adrian Treby emailed me. She's got a little meat shop in in London called Crown and Q Meats, and she basically said that what she loved about her ebook was that actually she felt the recipes were actually not only doable but 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 real. You know, they they were they they were something that she would want to cook when in many cookbooks they don't really. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Open and a, a cookbook. Like, and yeah, I like yeah, Marcella yeah. Hazan's cookbook, and there's like two other and I, I two other cookbooks I work from. Other than that, I, I don't usually pick up a cookbook. Right. You know, I use uh, Thomas Keller's polenta recipe from the Ad Hoc Cookbook, and it's excellent. But every time I use it, I have to snap a picture of it and then take my phone into the kitchen with me anyway because that book is beautiful and yeah. huge. It takes up like this entire counter that we are like sitting at. Pieces. So it's sure. like I'm using my phone anyway. Yeah, so, so. What, it was, it's also because we already have. All all these chefs participating in the event, and afterwards you should definitely talk about Sam's head cheese. Oh, we're yeah. good. Okay, we are totally yeah. going to talk. All right, Jack, let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about head cheese and how you go about uh, making it at home. Today's break song is called Balloons by me, Jack Inslee. This is Sharp and Hot.
This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Okay, we're coming back. Was that on air? Amazing. Welcome back, everybody. This is Chef Emily coming to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Welcome to Sharp and Hot. Joining me in the studio is Sam Barbieri, chef and owner of Waterfront Ale House and Heritage Radio's own Jimmy Carbone, host of your sessions. (laughs) So... Anne and I have been working this we've made this year the year of the listener audience like tribe building and I want people to feel like we are here we are We're listen- in it together. We're in it together. Yeah. I share my failures, they share their successes and so one of the things we have been doing is giving people recipes and then encouraging them to take a picture and use the hashtag sharp and hot on Instagram and show us what they did. And we did this with Hans Rockenwagner right before Christmas, and uh, a listener made the recipe and put it up on Heritage, and, or up on Instagram, rather, and it was like, oh, someone's listening. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not a particularly easy recipe, and it was not particularly um, inviting. It was a giant, it's called Kaiserschmarrn, a pan-sized pancake where you flip the whole thing. Mine was a disaster. I posted a picture, and it was delicious and fun, and I really, really liked doing it. So I asked you, Jimmy, for a recipe from your cookbook to share, and you shared Sam's head cheese. So, Sam, the first ingredient, and people can go to sharpenhot.com right now and see the recipe. And it's beautifully photographed, too. I like Beautiful photograph. The whole gorgeous. book is beautifully photographed. I have to say. The first ingredient is a... Pig's head. Pig's head. One pig's head cleaned, split, right? Split. We and... split it because I take the brains out. And now, is Oy. the brain poisonous? No. No, but the brain is delicious with poached eggs. Okay. So then why... Well, like scrambled eggs. You can put the brains in with scrambled eggs. It's really nice. It doesn't really go into the head cheese okay. too much. Do the, brain, the brains cook really fast, too. Yeah. 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 And also eyeballs removed. The eyeballs are removed because people don't like to see them. <laughs> Although I have, I have garnished a couple plates with the eyeballs. So I will say that every summer, my husband and I have a hootenanny at our house out in New Jersey, and we have smoked pig heads because we've found that we say we're going to smoke a pig, but what people really want is ribs and pulled pork. But there's also like a grotesque factor of having a whole animal that I love, and most people want to see the head because you want to be nose to nose with this animal. Absolutely. So we now do, we smoke a head, a couple of butts, and a couple of racks of ribs, and that's our barbecue. And everyone is perfectly satisfied. No one's asking us where, you know, where the missing pieces are. So that being said, I've worked with a number of pig heads, and they are kind of a human analog when you're staying in your kitchen taking the meat off of the oh, jaw. Yeah, like it feels like. But it's weird to me that the eyeballs are off. Like that's what's off-putting to people. Yeah, like that, like the cheek. Oh, the cheeks are so good. The cheeks are the best part. That's why when we we cook a whole hog, we just leave the head on there, and you dig your hand in there up into the cheek. That's that's like melting your mouth. That's yeah. So all right. So they we're going to give this. We're gonna let's walk people through the recipe. You got it at home. You take the two halves of your pig head. Is it a particular size? Weight by weight pig head that you it need? It depends on what you can get from your butcher. Okay. Uh, it's funny you should mention that because we are about to call my butcher and we're going to okay. order a pig's head so that listeners can hear what it sounds like. And I'm going to do this this weekend. So okay. they can so stand by on that. Most of the by. commercial pigs that they're butchering now are probably 
dressed weight around 250 to 300 pounds. Okay. It's a big animal. So you're getting, you're getting a big pig head. If uh, you're fortunate enough to go to a real farmer's market uh, where we source the pigs from, you can get them anywhere from 100 to 200 pounds. So a more can, reasonable. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of my biggest pot. My biggest pot can hold a, the pig's head that I'm going to end up with. Well, that's the best thing to do is to split it in half because it'll fit into a, a pot, especially at home. Okay, so now we, yes. we split it in half. We put it in the pot, cover it with right. water, right? Yeah, but you we cure them for a day as well. Okay. We have a simple way to do it is like salt and... Uh, the French four spice. Right, yeah, or cut, the Provence. The cut the piece. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, thyme. Like what you would use in a regular pate. Right, okay. Yeah. Let it sit overnight and then wash it and then put it into the water. Into the water, I'd put a little white wine mm-hmm. or a little beer, whatever's open in the fridge. Is okay. It works. A little bay leaf, some onion, uh, or a little mirepoix. Okay. And this is and like, this can all just kind of be hacked up. It's not getting served. It's not getting used. No, you're not it doesn't have to be hacking beautiful. anything up until it's tender enough to fall <laughs> off the bone. Okay, but the vegetables, I mean, yeah, the vegetables. Let no, you're not going to <laughs> No, the vegetables are not going to go in the finished product. You're okay. just you're flavoring the broth to add the flavor to the meat itself. Okay. Once the meat is tender, and you're probably going to look at a simmer of about four to five hours. Okay. Uh, take it out. Pull everything off the bone. Uh, reduce the stock mm-hmm. till it's very gelatinous. Okay. Overnight? Uh, like if I just leave it on low overnight? Well, what I do is I take the meat, get it back to room temperature, reduce the stock. We put it in a loaf pan, mm-hmm. uh, like a little bread pan. Mm-hmm. Same one that I make banana bread in. All right. Yep. Correct. And pour <laughs> the stock on top mm-hmm. of it and then let it gelatinize overnight. All right. Now, it's just the natural... Gelatin. It's the gelatin because the head. out of the bones. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's it. We don't add any other gelatin anywhere else. What I also do, depending on how much you want to make, you can add the tails in there. Mm-hmm. You add the ears. Uh, the only thing I wouldn't put in there is the brains. All right. Because you're saving and the that snouts, for something else. We chop up the snouts, too. All right. Yeah. Everybody wants the snouts. So, I think snouts are coming back. <laughs> sometimes, uh, if you want to, if you have it laying around, you can add a few pieces of bacon. Mm-hmm. And That's usually uh, not laying around in our house. <laughs> I've trained my two-year-old that some, bacon's called meat snacks. Some bacon, <laughs> uh, like a big chunk of bacon. Okay. Not sliced bacon. Okay. And uh, pork shoulder. And you put this all in the boiling Slice of pork pot. shoulder. I boil it all together with the mm-hmm. head. Yeah. Only because adding the pork shoulder is going to give you a little bit more meat. Right, okay. And less gelatin. All right, Jack. Let's call Nugent's. Let's order a pig head. Because I, I know there are people who are going to do this at home. I just know. At least one person. Yeah, this is going to it's, it's The process takes a long time. That's all right. It's winter. Yeah, it's a few days, yeah. It's, yeah, but Got it's Got nothing winter. else to do but light a fire. Right, Drink a go. beer. <laughs> and the beginning of every barbecue event with Sam, for breakfast, he'll give you a taste of his, his uh, head cheese. And a, a Belgian sour beer. Prime. Oh, hey, this is Chef Emily calling. Who's this? Lou, this is Lou. Hey, Lou. Um, listen, you are live on air on sharpenhot.com right now on Heritage Radio Network. And we are in the studio talking about how to make head cheese. And I wanted to order a pig's head from you so that uh, my listeners can hear what it sounds like. Because it's a little intimidating okay. to order a pig's head. Is that all right? Absolutely. No problem. Okay. So I'd like to come and pick it up on Saturday morning. 
Okay. And uh, I'm in the studio with me is Chef Sam Barbieri, whose recipe this is. So Sam says that I need to have the pig's head split and the eyeballs. Right, okay, in- we'll, split, we'll split it right in the center of it, right down. All right. They run anywhere from 10 to 14 pounds. All right, so... And um, do you, you have a pot big enough for that to I'm, do it, or...? I'm almost certain I have a pot big enough. Do I get a choice, or is it somewhere between 10 and, 15, 10 and 14? Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say. Anywhere, like I say, depending on when to slaughterhouse, but it's anywhere from 10 to 14. I mean, I could re- try to request something small. Is that what you have in mind? Yeah, if you could do something small on the smaller side or quarter the pig's head when you get... If it looks like it's huge, you know, if, okay, if absolutely. it comes in... Okay, absolutely. I'll see what I can part. do for you. All right. And I'd like the eyeballs and the brains removed. Okay. Um, Absolutely. Simple enough. Simple enough. And what else? Sam, is there anything save else? Save the brains because I love them. I love to cook them with eggs. We'll okay, so can I? Eggs. Can you save the brains for me? Because I'm going to uh, absolutely. I, I happen to like them also. All right, so we're going to scram. This is going to be an adventurous Saturday. <laughs> the eggs and Jay Pegerson. brains. All right. <laughs> That's because you get hungry when you're cooking, so you have to eat something. You got to eat something. Why not pig's brain? I mean, if you got them anyway. All right, okay, so Saturday morning we'll be having here for you. That sounds perfect. Okay, very good. Great. Lou, thank you so much. And say the name of your meat shop one more time so everybody gets to hear it. It's my favorite. It's Nugent's Prime on Speedwell Avenue. In Mars Plains, New Jersey. In Mars Plains, yes. All right, cool. I'll see you Saturday morning. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Bye, Lou. Thanks, Lou. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Okay, everybody. See? I love this. Not that intimidating. You just call your local butcher and ask for a pig's head. Or you go to a farmer's market. Or you go to the farmer's yep. market. So in out by me in Marstown area, New Jersey, our farmer's markets shut down from, and they're going to be closed now until about June. Hmm. So I have to come into New York City, and I'm, I have to say I don't have all, the, all that much discipline about doing it. But that meat market that we just had on the phone, I'll tell you a funny story about them. They, just, they opened about a year ago, and we went in, and we were so excited to have like an actual butcher owned by like a butcher family. And um, my husband said, is your meat local? And the guy went, oh, well... No, not really. And my thought was like, oh, well, if it's the same as what I can get, it's stop and shop. And then he finishes his sentence. He says, yeah, it's mostly from Pennsylvania. I was like, <laughs> that counts. Fun. That counts as Absolutely. local. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I just cooked a pig at a farm out in Pennsylvania a couple of months ago. And uh, Mennonite farmers, mm-hmm. they take great care with the yeah. products that they prepare. Yep. Uh, so if you can always support a local farmer. Or get your small local butcher shop that you love to support their local farms. It's always great. Yeah, it's a, a good real passion project. And I tell people the rule, my rule of thumb is I don't buy four-legged animals if they're fluorescently lit in a supermarket. Yeah. So chicken and turkey, I got, like, I got to draw the line somewhere. But for pigs, beef, I go, to a, like, I go to my butcher. And their slaughterhouse is in a place called Green Village, which around that now has uh, popped up this, popped up, has grown this, very very wealthy area um summit chatham very mm-hmm. fancy area in new jersey and in the middle of it is green village where is their slaughterhouse and i just love that idea that there are still some holdout real slaughterhouses that would be interesting if you asked lou actually where like not just from pennsylvania but like if he has a relationship with those farms you know what i mean i could tell, i'll be, do that saturday morning i'll report back yes, I, I i know where you're going with this because that's one reason we we did the pig island event to begin with in the i like pig.com a recipe ebook is that um, there's a, a butcher near me, like my butcher guys, East Village Meat Market. The same thing where, you know, they're, they're making traditional Eastern European products, hams, kielbasas, they mm. smoke items, 
but they were only buying more like commercial, you know, meats. And over the years, we, we'd have like a, a pig crisis where we'd have a, a pig coming from a farm or at one time a half cow, and they have great butchering skills. So, so they were able to take the delivery of these animals and butcher them and brine them and store them as we needed. And over time, they've really become to appreciate that. And there's a product that they actually sell. It's it's there's like there's head cheese and there's lardo, which is the cured yeah. lard. Mm-hmm. And I was really proud because after this year's Pig Island, the guys at East Village Meat Market said, "Well, we actually sell lard, you know, cured lard to our regular customers, and they actually want it to be from, you know, a, a local farm pig. So mm-hmm. Flying Pigs Farm up in uh, Shushan, New York, ships down a couple hundred pounds of lard." to uh, this meat market. So it's the first product they're using for their regular products that's, that's from a farm. That's so awesome. That's the whole that's process. Awesome. Is it's, you know, you're having this conversation about pig heads. Mm-hmm. At some point, he's probably going to get a pig head more likely from a farm than he is from a commodity right, you know, right, producer. Right, right, right. So can you tease Pig Island 2015? Do you know any details yet? Um, we're looking at approximately September 12th, which right. is the Saturday after Labor Day, which is when we do it. And the last two years, we've been at the Red Hook Waterfront in Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, uh, with a great supporter in uh, Ikea. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're probably going to be back. We're, we haven't signed a contract yet, but we're looking at September 12th. And uh, that's a great event. And uh, guys like Sam, people come with their barbecue rigs. And, you know, we're working with Flying Pigs Farm. It's one of the local farmers. So I met you when I was fresh out of culinary school at either the first or second Pig Island because I was working with Mary Cleaver from Pig Oh, Temple. that's right. And I we met go you. way back. And I was, <laughs> and I was so starstruck. Everybody was like, that's Jibby Carpo. Oh, really? Like, oh, my goodness. I thought it was, that's Mary Cleaver. She's pretty hot. <laughs> and that's Sam Barbieri. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was and really, it was a great event. Yeah. <laughs> Can I give a shout out to some of the chefs? Oh, please. So like some of the better, like like Kathy Irway, who's an author at the first Pig Island, she, she did a really great dish that's been then picked up. It's a it's a pork char char siu, right? Yeah, and uh, she had it with little pork buns. Doug Kyle's from New Jersey. He's a competi- in the competitive circuit. He's got uh, ribs within rub. So we have got different guys. Jimmy's number forty three. Joe Doe, Joe Tobias, this Joe and Mrs. Doe. They've had their their great. Uh, it's a lard biscuit recipe that it's in our book. And it's also been in the New York Times. Some great people. King Fajanakong, he's of Kuma Inn and Uminam. He, he's got some great dishes that he's done, like these kind of like Philippine little like spring mm-hmm. rolls. Yeah, yeah. Ground pork, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, just fun people we've met over the years. Elizabeth Shula, who was one of the co-founding chefs of Salty. You know Salty in Brooklyn? Yeah. She, about a year and a half ago, she yeah. moved up to Cooperstown. And uh, we did a little barbecue event with her up there. So she's got a recipe. So a lot of great people. And also Ovelia in Queens. Uh, Queens, Peter and Chris Janakis, they've come almost every year and they basically, they make this little spit over, over charcoal that's like kind of hand turned and, you know, there's all these great cultures there. There's Mexican chefs, you know, the Italians and, and, and Greeks and it's just such a great event. But the main thing is that the ebook was meant to represent what, what they're doing and showcase all the chefs. So I'd say go to ilikepig.com. It's only $1.99. It's only $1.99. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like, uh, and I'm going to confess, there was part of me that was like, ugh. Which I get for 99 cent apps for like, that will manage my entire life. And I'm like, oh, do I really have to spend a dollar on this? Because I'm like falsely programmed to think that everything should be free. Then you get a free popover recipe and it's terrible. There you go. $1.99, you get this beautifully photographed book. It lives on your computer. You, there's a little bookmark icon. You can bookmark the things that you like. And the recipes are totally approachable. What your friend said is completely true. They're and, totally and I really th- approachable. I really think it's the future. I mean, you know, if you're already going online looking up, you know, 
different sites for recipes. Right. You're going to have an ebook right there. And on I had your to phone. like therapy myself a little bit. Like it's a dollar ninety nine, Peterson. Like, Pull yourself add some together. Value. We yeah. Got it. Let it go. So it's really a wonderful accomplishment. Congratulations, everyone. I like pick.com. Download a copy because you are going to make the head cheese. Take a photograph, put it up on Instagram, hashtag sharp and hot. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Chef Emily P. You're on Twitter, Jimmy? Yeah, at Jimmy Pots and Pan. Are you on Twitter, <laughs> Sam? Uh, Sam's Waterfront. At Sam's Waterfront. And Hogan at underscore Rebel, Rebel underscore, Milk. Rebel Milk, but there's an underscore. There's an underscore. You'll find it. If you leave it out, there's another Rebel Milk out there, and she occasionally gets my tweets that I mean for you. Oh, all right, guys. Rebel underscore Milk. <laughs> find me. I've apologized. She hasn't. She I hasn't promise it'll be fun. And thanks nice. to New Jeans Prime and Lou for taking the call on air today. And until next week, everybody, keep playing with fire and knives. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.